PXG has done it again with the launch of a new lineup of drivers, fairways, hybrids, and irons. The new Gen 5 golf clubs deliver significantly increased MOI, faster ball speeds, longer distances, and tighter dispersions, all coupled with the exceptional feel and sound golfers have come to expect from PXG. Schedule your custom fitting or buy online at pxg.com. And we're back, Stripe Show podcast on a Thursday. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. If I sound a little different today, I am out of the studio, remote location, but wanted to get a short podcast in as a lot has happened here over the last 24 hours in the world of professional men's golf. Big announcement yesterday per Eamon Lynch of Golf Week, also on Golf Channel, great article that he put out about the changes that the PGA Tour announced regarding the designated events for 2024. And of course, this year, that's been kind of the new format, designated events or elevated events where we get the top players in the field. This year, we're seeing full field events like we saw on the West Coast, like we're seeing this week. Uh, at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, of course, next week at the Players' Championship. Uh, But next year in 2024, there's going to be about eight of these designated events that are going to be limited fields. And we're going to be looking at about 70 to 78 players, no cut, and uh, certainly a very different model than what we've seen from years past. If, if you've listened to the podcast over the years, I've been critical of the PGA Tour in stating that I feel like there's just been way too many tournaments. You know, the old business model of the PGA Tour, four rounds, full field, um, with a cut, playing opportunities for everybody. I think very much kind of this equal approach to the top players, to maybe players that um, were down towards the 125 and beyond. Lots of playing opportunities. We're talking like 46, 47, 48 tournaments somewhere in there throughout the season. And I just think when you add it all up, I just felt like the PGA Tour is becoming very uh, watered down. And of course, Live Golf comes into the to the picture And they go to this limited field, 48 players, uh, no cut. And and one of the things that I liked about that was, is that when you do have 48 players, and if you are a fan of that live golf, and you show up to that, you know what you're paying for, right? You know that those players are going to be there. No different than going to a a Chiefs game uh, versus the Chargers. I mean, you know that Patrick Mahomes is going to be there. Justin Herbert uh, is going to be there. So I think that does have some value knowing what you're paying for and who is going to be there. Now you fast forward to where we are now, and now you've got the PGA Tour doing a similar thing, I think on the surface of 70 to 78 players with no cut. Now, the one thing I will say is limited field no cut on the PGA Tour has been around for a while. I mean, let's pump the brakes a little bit that Liv completely um, created this format. We've had the World Golf Championships for many, many years. The Zozo Championship, the Tour Championship. So limited field no cuts have been around a while. Now, Liv certainly took that to, I think, a, a another level with the spend 
that they have put forth in, in attracting, um, well, I shouldn't say attracting, paying for top name players to come over like a Dustin Johnson, like a Cam Smith, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, and on down the list. They have done a good job um, with the budget that they've had of bringing those players over and make it a valid competitor uh, in today's climate. And I think all of that is important to understand in, in why the PGA Tour is moving in this direction that it is, is that this is still uh, very much uh, in response to what has happened uh, with Live Golf. I think the first thing that you really have to understand here, from my perspective, is that the PGA Tour has have to ha- has really have to come off of the way that they were operating before. Like we, we understand that. And I think there's probably more positives to that in the end than there's going to be negatives. I think in the announcement yesterday, it's easy as a fan to probably cherry pick the negatives, to soapbox the negatives uh, on Twitter and really um, you know, let the emotion come out. We like the full field events. We like the sweat, the competition, the storylines of Chris Kirk um, that it gives us every single week. There's that underdog more so mentality that maybe a lesser name player can come up and make a run like an Eric Cole and in challenge some of the bigger names, right? We may lose out on that. We are going to lose out on some of that. But the reality is, is that the PGA Tour with Live Golf here, and and what you have to understand is that the competitive landscape now in men's professional golf is lopsided. I mean, Live Golf is operating with a huge budget and okay with a big loss. I mean, they hemorrhaged money last year. I know they have picked up a couple sponsors this year, but I fully anticipate they're going to hemorrhage money again this year. I know that you hear that there's going to be these individual business entities with these teams, but to this point, I haven't seen any signings, any signings when it comes to a sponsor of the team all the way down to a clothing sponsor. Now, maybe some of this thing, maybe some of this will trickle down, but for all intents and purposes, I think when you add it up, it's fair to say that Live Golf is A, willing to spend an enormous amount of money and B, they're okay losing an enormous amount of money. And so what is their intention? They're disrupting the landscape. And the PGA Tour, in many ways, has to throw out the way that they used to operate and now come to the table and protect, I think, the priorities of what they need to do to continue to operate as the PGA Tour. And then there's going to be a trickle down from there. So what are those priorities in today's game? Number one, for the PGA Tour, they've got to protect and they can't afford to lose any more of their top players. They've already lost us in Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, Joaquin Neiman. I mean, these are some names that are significant. Now, some of the older guys that are later in their career, um, not so much. Charles Howell III, great story. He won. It's awesome. I'm a big fan of Charles Howell III. But Charles Howell III is very replaceable. 
Ian Poulter, very replaceable. Lee Westwood, Henrik Stenson, Richard Bland. I mean, these names are very replaceable. Most, for the most part, when you look at their roster, the Paul Casey's of the world, these guys are very replaceable. The ones that are not so much are your stars. Um, the big name players. Dustin Johnson is a superstar. Uh, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, love or hate them, they are stars of professional golf. Cam Smith, um, a rising star. A couple young players, Joaquin Neiman. Um, you know, I, I would say even Amito Pereira has a little bit of value. So you can't afford to lose Justin Thomas. You can't afford to lose. John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth. Um, you, you may even put a Cameron Young in there. Patrick Cantley, Xander Shoffley, Will Zalatoris. There is a core nucleus of top young players. And you have to now rally those guys. You have to listen to those guys. And you have to protect those guys at all costs. That's priority number one. What do you guys want? How many tournaments um, is acceptable for all of you to get together and play and put our best foot forward on the PGA Tour. Now, once you have that, then you have your your sponsors. I mean, the one thing the PGA Tour has done a great job over the years, and they have had sponsors lined up to pay for the old model, right? I mean, as far as I understand, there was a bit of a waiting list uh, for sponsors to get involved and 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 sponsor a tournament. So why wouldn't they just rinse and repeat and continue to run out this same tournament? Uh, it'd be a tough argument to go in there and make otherwise when you know that it already works. But, you know, the landscape's different now. So you have to take your top sponsors. Who are the sponsors that are willing to pay for these elevated events, these increased purses that we know? And, and now you have to protect them. So you've got your top players. We can guarantee our top players for this amount of events. And now we can bring in these sponsors to pay these elevated events. And now I think in many ways, we're, we're protecting home base. We're protecting uh, the core. Okay, so what is, what is the trickle down from there? How can we now position this and spin it perhaps in some ways that it's now appealing to our other members? Now let's move the conversation to the next level of importance, and that is the non-elevated events and the players that are going to be playing in those, right? Which it can, is going to be, call it 61, ranking uh, from 61 to, to 125 or 150, right? And, and this is where now the conversation can get a little bit more uncomfortable because there's going to be some egos um, bruised here. There's no question about it. There's going to be some guys that are are used to playing um, with the top players that feel like they should be in the designated events, and they don't feel like this is the right direction for the PGA Tour to go to make them, or, or at least eight of these tournaments um, limited fields, no cut. I mean, they're going to have strong feelings towards that, right? And and they're right in the middle of it. And it's going to be emotional. And they're going to take to Twitter like Kevin Chappell did. I mean, it's just, it's going to happen. And it's understandable. It really is. And so there's going to have to be some in, individual conversations here. And how are these conversations going to go? Right? I mean, if I'm sitting in the room and I'm Jay Monahan and, I, and I've got 
one of these players, uh, uh, Peter Malnati, was was on No Laying Up podcast, and it was really interesting to listen to his perspective about being one of these players that is now perhaps more motivated to try to get into these designated events. He he's not one of the stars. He's trying to get there. He's just not there yet. And so it was interesting to hear how his perspective has has really changed. And you think about, okay, how does this conversation go, right? How does this conversation go with these players? What what is the PGA Tour? What's their position? What do they, how do they spin it? And I think the first thing is that they're going to look at these players and say, look, number one, you can play your way into the designated events. You can be a star. You can play for the biggest purses. Here's how you play your way in, right? So there is a qualification to play your way in to these elevated events. Now, the uh, limited field, no cut, sounds familiar to everyone, right? And they're like, oh, that was Liv's idea. They're just copying Liv. Okay, on the surface, that sounds familiar. But what I just said to you is not familiar to Liv. And that is, here's how you qualify. Here's the competitive landscape and how you qualify into playing in a designated event, limited field, no cut. That's the fundamental difference. And in my eyes and in my mind, it's a big difference. It really is. They're not cherry picked because we like you. Here's a lot of money. And now you're one of the 48. There is no way to qualify into that or play into that. There is on the PGA Tour. Big fundamental difference. So number one, you can, you can, you can play your way into it. Play better golf. Be a better player. Get motivated and, and get yourself into that. Uh, number two is that when you're playing in these non-elevated events, that there's not going to be a big contingency of the top players. And you're playing for the same purses that you're used to. So you have a better chance in theory because you don't have John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantley, Wills Alatoris in every one of your tournaments. They're not all here. So you have a better chance to win and make more money over a course of a year. Now, I do think you're going to have a few. And I think when you kind of spin it now to the conversation of, of how Jay Monahan is having it with non-available sponsors, they're like, look, we're still going to have a few of the top players here. They got to play in, th- I think, three non-elevated events. And I hope that continues. And they're going to want to play in some non-elevated events. And so they're, gonna, they're still going to have a few of those. I just saw a couple of the big names in Roland Valspar. So we're still going to have a few of those. And in addition to that, the bulk of the field is not going to be as depleted now because of the limited field of the designated events. So now you have that core of, of you know, from 61 or even 51 to 125 in the bulk of these fields. It's not going to get depleted down so much to the bottom if you had full field events um, or full fields in the designated events. I know it's a little bit, it, 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 it's kind of a, it can be a bit of a tongue twister and I hope I'm articulating this well enough for you. Um, but if you did have full field in the designated events, 
Uh, one of the downsides is in the non-elevated events for those sponsors is that that field can get depleted pretty quickly at the bottom. And so limiting the field in designated events makes more of that middle class, that middle core, well-seasoned, for the most part, PGA Tour players, PGA Tour winners, up-and-coming rookies, like you're gonna, you're just gonna have a stronger field all the way down to the bottom. So I think that's something that the PGA Tour can very much um, position themselves with as they're talking to these sponsors. In addition to some of the top players playing, and in in addition to the conversations that they're going to be having with these players and how they can make more money and how they can work themselves into playing uh, into these designated events. So there is a there is a position to to stand on there and I think sell and I think kind of rally behind. And I'm okay with that. It it makes it makes complete sense to me because I like the idea of leading with your top players and taking care of your top players. I like that. To me, that's putting your best foot forward as a brand. To me, that helps solve what I thought was getting very um, watered down as I, as I thought with the old model. The downside of that and what people are gonna hold on to, and, and there's some valid points here, is that you, you just miss out on some of the full field events, you know, and it's only eight of them, but you miss out on the comp, the overall competition and the sweat and the storylines and the underdog mentality. Not all designated events so are going to be no cut. There's still going to be some tournaments that are going to have a cut. We're talking about eight events here. So you're going to miss out on some of that. I get it. Um, you know, the model you could say in the past wasn't well received in the world golf championships. Um, does, does it turn into a bit of a hit and giggle for some of these players? Cause they know they're guaranteed, you know, so like there, there is some risk, there is some downside and I totally get that. But as I've, as I've taken a step back and you, and you, and you take all this into consideration, I think there's more pros and cons. I really do. Uh, I think there's more pros than cons. And I'll finish with this. When you look at the positioning of the PGA Tour and kind of where it is relative to Live Golf. I've I have really given Live Golf. I've tried to go into an open mind and, and just really understand what I'm watching and what I'm and what I'm being sold and what it's all about. And I got to tell you, the first event um, last weekend was was just bizarre to me. I mean, it just it, it really for me as a core fan was, was a disappointment. Um, I, I get the idea of trying to, to make it laid back, to make it more approachable and all of those things. And, and I get that. And I appreciate the effort to the team competition. But to me, when you look at the way that it landed and you look at the way that it was presented, as I mentioned in the pod on Monday, it came across very carnival-like with a professional tournament being weaved in between. When I turn into a professional event, I want to see my players ready to play and playing at a high level. And, and to me, you know, DJ comes in out of shape. Uh, Cameron Smith is drinking a beer out of a shoe. And it's like, what am I watching here? You know, and to me, the PJ Tour looks at that and they look at the ratings and it's not taking in the United States. And I know golf is a global game and this and that, but the reality is the PGA Tour is in the United States and it needs to win in the United States first. 
and the ratings were abysmal. So I think when they look at that and they look at how live golf is being presented, I think they feel very comfortable that their product is going to win out when it comes to how it's being positioned on TV. But the threat is real from the standpoint that live has a huge budget and is willing to operate at a huge loss. And that precedent changes the landscape of professional golf forever because you're gonna have guys jump and take the money. And when you start, they start adding up DJ, Cam, Brooks, um, Bryson, you have to pay attention, right? Because now you can't afford to lose many more. And the PGA Tour, to their credit, they 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 are paying attention, and they are changing. And although it's there are some things that may not be ideal, I think in the end, from what I'm seeing, I'm curious to watch it play out. I do think this is going to play out for the better in the end. I really, really do in the way that these designated events are going to be front and center and leading the charge for the PGA Tour. And then the rest of the fields in the non-designated events playing in some significant tournaments, good money, great storylines, and trying to play their way into these designated events. So I do think there's going to be more pros and cons. But as I said, it's it, it's it's a little sloppy. It can be a, it can come across as a bit of a mess, but we'll just have to wait and see how it plays out. So a few few thoughts there as uh, the news comes down. Um, hopefully, I articulate it well enough for you to uh, kind of base your own opinion. Love to uh, to hear your thoughts on Twitter at Travis Fulton, Instagram at Travis Fulton Golf. All right. That's enough for the week. Arnold Palmer Championship this week. Players Championship next week. We have a huge lineup for you as we break down the Players Championship. We'll be back at it with a player, back at it with the top coaches. Good stuff to come. Thanks for being here.